Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. So I get the honor to introduce our speaker today. Um, So last year, um, I actually got to meet the Powers um, and as a part of my second trip, and it is just incredible to know um, Pastor Ivan and Nini and just to see the incredible work that God is using them. And they're just impacting so many people's lives in India. And it's just so encouraging to be a part of. And we are so excited that he gets to be here today and speak to you guys. Um, so we just want to say thank you for joining us this morning. And um, can we just welcome him this morning? Thank you. Well, good morning. It's great to be here. Thank you, Pastor Dale, for the invite. And it's such a joy to come and uh, uh, visit, especially our friends who were with us on this special trip uh, that they made to India. And I know for some of you, that was the first trip that you ever made on a missions trip uh, outside the United States. But I'm sure it's, it's an impactful trip, and God is really... Uh, put a burden in your heart for not only what God is doing uh, uh, in India, but around the world. You know, when we begin to travel and meet other brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we begin to see what God is doing, it's an amazing opening. Uh, It opens our mind up to uh, what God is actually doing throughout the world. Sometimes we get so limited in our thinking, in our understanding of what church is and uh, uh, what community is all about, but God has building up a community around the world Uh, of brothers and sisters just like you and I who have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, who who God is preparing for his second coming. And uh, as we begin to reach out to them, meet them, and interact with them, it's such a joy to see that God can do things that sometimes for us looks impossible, but for God, those things are possible. And this morning, it's a privilege, and thank you, Pastor Dale, for opening your pulpit for me to come and share God's word such a joy to see all of you here, and also my, <clears throat> uh, my daughter's mother-in-law, uh, Sujata, is here, and such a joy to have you with us uh, this morning at the service. Uh, my family is watching on uh, Facebook Live. It's uh, nighttime in India. I think it's past 10 o'clock, uh, but they are on, uh, on and watching us, and also I got to show them some of the snow that was outside. Uh, Pastor and I walked out and uh, enjoyed the snow for a few minutes before it got too cold. I come from a place where we do not have such weather, but it's good to uh, enjoy different kinds of weather that the Lord has made around the world. And, uh, you know, the greatest thing about it is that God has created man in such a unique way that we can survive in any kind of temperatures, from the hottest part of the world to the coldest part. And, uh, you know, plants, all plants cannot survive, all animals cannot survive, but God has given dominion to man over uh, living in different parts of the world, and such a joy uh, that we can be called the family of God. And I just welcome uh, you this morning, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you, the word that God has put in my heart. But before I go to the word, I do want to show you a slide, and this is, as we were interacting with your team from your church, the Lord just put in our heart to just share. Uh, we are in a, <clears throat> in a city that is about 2 million Uh, Indian Standard, that's a small city. Obviously, the area-wise, it's a much smaller area than your city here. I don't know the population of your metro area uh, here in Minneapolis, but uh, 
two million is uh, the city, but 25% of that city lives in slums. And the reason is because there are a lot of industries, people from all over India come to look for jobs, and uh, uh, obviously they are looking for jobs, all they can do is build a small hut around the factories where they work. Uh, if they, they finish their job there, they don't have any more things to work on, they pick up their home and belongings and go to the next place. And uh, the Lord put in our heart very specially to reach out to those people, and especially my wife and a group of women from our church started reaching out to kids who were rag pickers, who would carry a bag every morning and uh, just move around the city, collect different kinds of garbage and come and sell it in the evening and probably make uh, less than a dollar uh, spending 10 to 12 hours carrying this big bag over their shoulder and trying to get this uh, money going. And what the Lord put in their heart is if we can educate these kids, uh, we can get them out of the slum. Our goal was not somehow to reach them there and just provide something for them for a long period of time, but actually get them out of that uh, mentality because they thought this is where our life starts and this is where our life is going to end. And the women started going and uh, sitting under a tree and the kids would come in because they would carry some goodies and talk with them and suddenly started saying, hey, would you like to learn? And uh, to our surprise, we had uh, over 100 kids in a, within a few weeks who would be coming and sitting there and uh, willing to learn. And then the mothers would come in because the dads would go to work and the mothers also wanted to learn because they were all illiterate, uneducated. And that's how our first slum project started. And uh, when that started, suddenly the people who were using these kids as uh, cheap labor were upset with us and uh, they started putting, uh, uh, they started opposing our work and finally they put a case against my wife, a false case about uh, that we are trying to sell these kids uh, we called, uh, we had a dentist who had come in, a pediatric dentist who helped uh, clean the teeth of kids and some of the rotten teeth were pulled out with the approval of their parents. And they said, you know, we are going to take those rotten teeth and sell them overseas because it makes a lot of money. And uh, the police were called in and uh, my wife was arrested along with one of my associate pastors and three believers and they were put in jail. Uh, just on that charge because the, there was a big mob outside uh, that area that we had worked in and they were uh, wanting to destroy property and block the main highway, uh, traffic was blocked up and it was a, one of the most traumatic times because uh, in my understanding I wanted to help people but my way of helping was let people come to church and uh, let them find the Lord because the altar is the place where you encounter God but little did I realize that God wants us to reach out, to go out. And uh, when this happened, I told my wife, see, I told you we should not have done this. We should have just prayed that God would just bring them to the church. And the church is the place to meet the Lord. And sometimes we emphasize so much on the four walls of a building that we fail to realize that there is a world outside and that you and I are called to be the church wherever God takes us. Uh, the case went out for about a year and a half, though she got bail uh, the second day. Uh, her, she has to come and maybe one of the times if she's here, she'll share her experience in an Indian prison, uh, how it is uh, to be in an Indian prison. But uh, her story is so amazing because she continued loving on people. And uh, we had uh, TV cameras and others outside the courthouse when she was getting the bail because this was a big case in, that, in the New Delhi area uh, because they thought these Christians are trying to you know, do this not only conversion work, but also selling organs of uh, kids overseas. And that was what the whole news was all about. 
And uh, when the TV cameras and all came in and asked, uh, what are you going to do? Uh, my wife said, we're going to go right back there because we love those people. And I could not believe that she said that because we were going through this traumatic time in our ministry. Uh, uh, it was probably one of the hardest parts of uh, serving the Lord, but God called us to love on people. And uh, loving people when everything goes well and when they love you back is so good. <laughs> but the hardest part is when you have to love people when they are not lovable. Yes. And I'm going to show a few slides and I'll tell our story. We started this education center uh, uh, as a project uh, under a tree, like I said. And today it has, it's in six locations with uh, helping over 2,000 kids in our city. Children in these centers are provided with basic primary education from kindergarten until grade five. And all these children come from families that live in poverty. And after grade five, we send them to regular schools, basically. And we pay their tuition fee, help them with books, supplies, uniforms, and whatever is required for them to finish their education because our goal is to develop them to stand on their own feet, that they will help somebody else one day. Beside education, children are given nutritious lunch, uniform, books, and other school supplies. And new children are added to our facilities every month. So that gives you a glimpse of that is one of our programs that we have in our main sanctuary up there. Uh, we cannot accommodate all the kids at one time, so we get them in batches and special occasions. But uh, the slum schools look something like what you see down here where the team also went. Can we go to the next slide, please? I'm going to tell you the story of uh, three of our kids. Uh, you see that picture when they were much younger to what they are today. Uh, the first one is Simran. She comes from a Sikh family. The Sikhs are those who wear turbans uh, with a beard. Uh, they are uh, people come out of Hinduism. Uh, it's another religion of the world. But uh, uh, her dad uh, was uh, uh, an abuser, uh, would beat up his mom so much that the mom became insane and she was taken to a mental asylum. And the dad walked away uh, with her, a little girl she was, and her brother in the home. And she left, uh, he left these two kids with the maternal grandmother. And the maternal grandmother was suffering with cancer. And one day we saw uh, this old lady come with two small kids outside the church and says, can you take care of these kids? And uh, we were surprised because they were Sikhs. And why did not they go to their own religious system? Because many of the Hindu mentality is that uh, whatever you're suffering today is because of your karma of your past life. So basically, if you're trying to help somebody, you are uh, you know, interfering in God's karma process of that person's life. But you and I, uh, that was the beginning of us going beyond going to help kids in the slums. And here kids are coming to us. And that's when we started our home for such kids that were either abandoned, they were abused, or kids that have come out from families that that cannot even support them. They just are living like animals. They have a huge number of kids, but uh, they have no way to get help from them. And this girl uh, went through school. She was a trouble-some uh, girl. It was hard for us. Uh, we have three daughters of our own. And uh, uh, bringing up other girls and other kids in our home was, was so hard. We, we, lived in the, we live in the same facility, basically. We live on the ground level. And our home uh, is on the first floor. So we, in the building that we stay, we have over 50 people living in that building. Uh, so it's, that is, our privacy is not uh, an option there at all. There is no way that you can talk about it because we always have somebody there. And we live right across the church, actually. So our home is, 
is constantly we have people in our home that we are ministering to. Uh, and uh, this girl, when she was going through school, it was hard for her even to finish school. In fact, she had to drop out in grade nine. And then we homeschooled her because that was the only way we thought that she could go through the process. And all we wanted to do is help her get to grade 12, and then she needs to, if she can go to college, that's fine, otherwise at least let her get out. I mean, that was our goal. And when she was finishing grade 12, one day she comes to the altar, and she's weeping and crying, and she has an encounter with Christ. And that day she says, you know what, Pastor, I want to go to Bible college. And I couldn't believe it. I thought she was trying to just find an easy way out. Uh, she says, this is what the Lord told me. And she told us the dream that she had and why she wanted to do that. And today she is in Bible college, just finishing her first year uh, program in Bachelors of Theology. And uh, she's one of the brightest students in the college, a call of God over her life. What one person's life can do, we don't know what God has in store for her, but we know one thing, that we have been a small part in helping her reach her destiny in Christ. And you never know whose life you can touch. Just that one smile, that one pat on somebody's back and say, you know what, you can do it. You are not alone. Uh, Upinder is uh, currently en enrolled in a bachelor's in travel and tourism program. He comes from a home where his family had abandoned him. He has no one of his own. And uh, he was brought by his uncle and uh, left there because his uncle's uh, wife did not want to keep this boy in their home. And either he would be on the street or, uh, you know, so we just took him in and we started helping him through this process. And today, not only is he doing this, but he's an amazing guy on computer. I mean, he's learned everything on his own. All these kids that uh, live with us are so involved in the church. In fact, they take care of everything in the church. I mean, it's like that's their home, uh, whether it's the media part, whether it's uh, music, whether it's uh, taking care of the maintenance. I mean, they just do it like it's their own. And uh, uh, he comes from a Hindu family, so she's a Sikh, he comes from a Hindu, and the third one, Rashid, who is in grade 11, uh, comes from a Muslim family. Uh, he and his brother, his brother is now a pastor, uh, uh, he also went through the Bible college, is now a pastor, a pioneering pastor in our city. And uh, they both uh, were uh, beaten and abused so badly by their father, who also beat his mom so much that she died. Uh, their house was about, their door to their house was about, their roof is about this size from the, from the floor here. And uh, uh, when they saw the father murder the mother, they ran away from the home. And they would just go and steal things, and that's how they would survive. And uh, one of our believers in that area took these two boys and brought them uh, to our home. And when we went to the father and said, hey, do you want your sons? He said, I have nothing to do with them. You do what you want to do. He basically just let them go. And the Lord touched their heart from a Muslim background. And today the elder brother is a pastor preaching the gospel. The younger one is getting ready to go to college. Uh, bright kids. And the reason why I'm saying this is that uh, we believe that children are the greatest asset that the church has. And that is our next generation. Many times we think children sometimes are, uh, uh, you know, they are second-grade citizens uh, in the church, or the priority that is given to them is, is much less than what we get as adults. But we have seen these children be our evangelists into homes that we could have never gone into. Today, our church consists of 99% of first-generation Christians. 
uh, in the city. We have 12 locations in our city that we meet on a Sunday morning. And the Lord is moving in a mighty way just because we were willing to obey God to touch one life at a time. And you never know what that one life can do. Not only that, uh, the, the, the progress of this uh, particular school that we are talking about and we want to present to you this morning from Grace Assembly is, uh, it's a school that runs in our church facility. It's a slum school uh, like other schools that are there and uh, we have about 200 plus kids in this school. Uh, we had a church that was uh, helping us through this uh, process of uh, taking care of these kids. Uh, it's, a, it's a process wherein we not only bring the kids uh, to the church, but we feed them, we, we give them clothes, we educate them, and uh, help them go through grade 12. And those kids who are really high on education, we help them even to go through college. And uh, the goal is to help these kids uh, to change society. And in these years that the kids are with us, they hear the gospel message, they have an opportunity to give their life to the Lord. Many of them do that. Many of them find Christ much later in life. Uh, and they come back once they have a job. We have had kids come back to us and say, you know what, that's the church that I'm going to. I found Christ. Uh, thank you for sharing Christ with me. Christ made the difference in my life. And these are all homes that... Uh, there was no way to go to those homes. There was no way that we could share the gospel. And because of these children, their lives have been changed forever. And we are requesting uh, Life Assembly if you would uh, uh, consider that you would partner with us uh, either completely or partly uh, to continue this school of 200 kids. Uh, this church that was uh, supporting us for the last 10 years in this particular school, um, obviously their, their budgets and their uh, their focus now is uh, changed over these 10 years, and we thank God for those 10 years of partnership that we had with them. But uh, we really want <clears throat> to look at a possibility where we're in Life Assembly and maybe others that churches that you are aware of and people who would like to do that. Uh, we want to do it through the church because we want uh, the church to be the, uh, the connecting point of what, what happens. So it's, it's, it's going to come through your church, your missions uh, department, but we do want uh, this particular school where in your uh, team had gone and they can tell you more about it, uh, how they can, um, uh, you can connect with that. And if you have any questions, Kelly and uh, Pastor probably would be the right people to connect and do that. Well, I just wanted to share this with you and uh, just want to say thank you again for sending the team uh, because many times when we hear stories, it's, it's very different than when we go personally and visit a place. And thank you for putting this up. Uh, it's $12 to, for their school fees, stationary books, uniform, their vocational skills. Uh, if they go to college, obviously there is a different uh, thing attached to it. But taking them through grade 12, it's uh, $12 uh, for a child to go through this. So if there is any way that you would like to do the number of kids that you would like to sponsor, we'd love to do that and partner with you. And I'm inviting Pastor and his wife uh, to come in with a team and come and see for yourself what the Lord is doing with your brothers and sisters on the other side of the world. Thank you so much. Uh, this morning, the Lord has put a word in my heart. Uh, I was praying. Uh, I'm in jet lag. Uh, basically, uh, your time zone switches. I'm 12 hours, uh, uh, you know, in a different zone. This is my time to go to bed uh, for me back home. 
And I got up at like at four in the morning and I tried to go back to sleep. I said, if I can sleep for a couple of more hours and, uh, you know, I would, it would be all right. But the Lord didn't allow me to do that. And uh, the Lord kept pressing this one word in my heart. So I get up, I open the Bible, I begin to read, uh, get on my computer, start typing some thoughts that the Lord has put in my heart. And I believe it's uh, for you as a church. I don't know, Pastor, this is the first time I've met him. Um, I have not communicated with anyone else in the church concerning this, and I don't know what God is placing in your heart, but pastor, for you and the leadership here in the church and for the church as a whole, uh, I believe the Lord is giving this word called expansion. Uh, I do not know what it looks like. I don't know what the Lord, the Holy Spirit has been speaking, but starting this year, God is asking you to do things that are going to be out of your comfort zone. They're going to be out of the place that you are part of, and maybe it could be an individual message for some of you that are sitting here, but I believe this word is for the church and what the church is going to do. And for some of you who are uh, loosely connected to the church, this is the time for you to really uh, reach out and uh, extend your hand of fellowship, uh, reach out and say, you know what, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but I'm ready to go for it. And I was confirmed that that was the word because when Kelly song sang the last song, Take Me Deeper, uh, where my feet are no longer, I'm not trusting on my strength in the waters, but now I'm trusting you, God, that I'm going to walk on those waters, that my eyes are not going to be on the waves uh, that are going to overwhelm me, but I'm going to look beyond that. And when we were singing that song, the Holy Spirit started saying, this is exactly what I want you to do. The scripture verse is Isaiah 54. Uh, verse 2 and 3, a very famous verse, but I believe that this is what the Lord is saying to the church here. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and the left, and your descendants will inherit nations and make desolate cities inhabited. I'm going to just take a moment to uh, help you understand, and I know we are short in time, but I do want to make sure that I release this word over this congregation. God is saying, on all directions, you need to reach out. This is going to be a season of such expansion that you have not seen since this church started. It's going to be an expansion not only in the aspect of the size of the church, because many times we look at, oh, are we talking about many people coming? Well, that would be the result of the expansion, but the expansion starts before that. The expansion starts in our heart. It starts with that aspect of faith, believing what God is going to do. You cannot receive something for the Lord if you are not prepared. The size of your vessel will determine the size of God pouring out into your heart. The blessings and the favor of God do not need to be wasted if, you're, if you come with a small vessel. And I believe when the Holy Spirit is going to move this season, this is going to be a season of such tremendous growth and multiplication of just people believing God for things that have not been believed in, in a long time because we are getting used to where we are, but God is saying, I'm bringing you into a season to reach out, to do things that you thought you could do it, or maybe you said maybe somebody else can do it. I'm not capable enough. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not big enough. I don't have enough resources because God says 
it is not on your resources or your capabilities or your talents, but on your availability. All right? To your left and right, he says, stretch out. Strengthen the stakes. Because the deeper, the higher you want to go as a building, the deeper your foundation needs to be. You cannot build a bigger building with a small foundations. Foundations don't come ready-made. People have to work on it. The Bible says count the cost. That's what the scripture teaches us. When you want to do something, make sure you count the cost. But counting the cost is not the only thing that he wants you to do. It doesn't mean that if you think it's too difficult, you're not going to do it. What God is saying here is that you count the cost that it's going to be, uh, there is a price that we will all have to pay in order to see the expansion. But he says it is going to start with people willing to dig the foundation and to build that foundation because the foundation that you build today, if Jesus tarries, it's going to be for the next generation. That's what he says here. He says that you shall expand to the right and left. Your descendants will inherit what you sow today. It is possible that you will not see everything about the harvest, but you are going to, the harvest is going to go beyond your lifetime. Many times we want the blessing of God to be ours. When God blessed Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, called him, and he says, I'm going to bless you because I want you to be a blessing. The blessing in the church, the blessing for believers is never to hoard. The blessing for believers is to release and when you do it, he says, through you, the nations of this world will be blessed. Now, I believe that expansion is going to happen in the spiritual realm, which is God and his kingdom. Expansion is going to happen in the personal realm, which is your family growth, interpersonal relationships. Expansion is going to happen relationally with people around you. There's some of you... God has placed you strategically in a job. God has placed you strategically where your house is, but you have chosen to live a secluded life wherein God is calling you to be the salt and the light. You never know that one person that God has placed you close to would be the answer to what God wants to do in this city, in this church. But we are not tapping the resources that God has placed us close to. You know, it's not money alone that we need. It's God works through people. Money is only a byproduct of what God is going to do. Unless we understand the importance of people, Jesus came for people. All right? Buildings were never part of the plan when Jesus said, I will build a church. This is not the church. You and I form the church. And God places us strategically in our workplace in the businesses that you have, the people that you meet, the, the, the neighbors that God has placed you around. And some of those neighbors are people that you pray, God, either you take them away or take us away from here. But maybe those are the people that God has placed you for such a time as this. Financially, I believe there is going to be expansion. Your occupationally, your work, businesses, there's going to see expansion. And then obviously it all has to end up for our evangelistically that we're going to expand. Any blessing of God is not for us, but so that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ can reach out into others. What are the major roadblocks? I believe it's very important for us to understand expansion and see that the enemy wants to dilute what God wants to do in our life. If God tells you to take 10 steps, God expects you to take 10 steps. 
It is not on the seventh step that you will understand it, not on the eighth step, not on the ninth, but only when you do what God asks you to do. Do not dilute the vision that God has given to you so that people will accept it. Can you imagine Joshua walking around the, the wall of Jericho with his soldiers dressed up with swords in their hands, and God says, the first day you go, don't do anything, second day, third day, and when the soldiers would come back, their wives would expect some stories. You know, women like to ask husbands, how was your day? And they said, you know, we just walked around. Did anything happen? No. Did you use your sword? No. Did, what did you do? We just walked around the wall. Seven days. What was happening? Nothing was happening. Did even a brick shake in one of those walls? No. They did not even see a crack in one of those walls. But they went to the complete length of what God had asked them to do. And when they did it, without diluting the plan of God, God answered it by the wall coming down. For many of you, you give up on the fifth day, you give up on the third day, because you say it's too much. The first roadblock is when we start diluting the vision of God. The second roadblock is when distractions come our way. When people begin to criticize us, when we look foolish in the sight of others of what we are doing because God asked us to do it. I was sharing with Pastor that our ministry uh, had reached a plateau. Uh, we were doing things, the church was all right, uh, things were happening, but our ministry reached a plateau till God asked us to do something so prophetic that was unique to us. I don't think that that is a message for everyone, but for us as a family, God asked us to do that. Uh, though we pioneered the church from six people, out of the six people, four were my own family, myself, my wife, and our two daughters. And uh, we were in a retired couple's home. They were above 70 years old, and their house was bigger than ours, so we used to meet in their house, and here we were pioneering a church, thinking that God has called us to reach a city, uh, reach a state, uh, touch the nation with God's word. Uh, here we're sitting, not even knowing, and many weeks, many months, before even the first person came, the seventh person came in. We did not know what God wanted us to do. Uh, the ministry started growing, a few more people started coming. It looked like we had a pretty good-sized church now, uh, and, uh, but still, it was, it was not happening. We were like on a plateau. And God specifically told my wife and I that we need to go to the graveyard there and buy uh, grave plots for our family. It was a very strange request or command, I should say, that the Lord told us. But I can tell you, the day we did it, everything about our ministry changed. It was like we were putting our heart exactly where God had called us. I, I'm not saying we're going to be where we are forever. If God intends that, be it so. But God specifically told us, when you do that, you are telling me, that you are sold out to what I'm calling you to do. Vision requires a price. Vision requires us to go beyond the natural. Whenever you see vision in the Bible, whenever you see expansion, and expansion requires vision. I mean, you don't expand because many of us are so satisfied with where we are. Uh, we are even thinking of retirement. We are thinking of, you know, everything is pretty much in place, we calculate all our figures, match, and we say, you know, even if I live to be 120 years old, uh, my finances will take me through that. But if that is what you're thinking of, then this is not a word for you. This is a word for somebody who says, you know what? 
my life is not over until God says it's over. The plans of my life are much greater than what I can think. God is not looking at my age, my educational qualification, my talents. God is looking at my ability and availability to just to say, God, here I am. And he says if that requires just to take, uh, you know, pegs and put it around our house and say, you know what, this is in invisible I'm putting these strings here to show expansion. Be it so, if that is what God is asking us to do, and I can tell you, sometimes through small acts of faith, big miracles begin to happen. That boy who gave his lunch in the hands of the disciples to give it to Jesus did not realize that you and I would talk about that 2,000 years later. We don't know his name, but we know what he did. What he did was significant. It was significant not because Jesus could not bring bread out of the air. He could do that, but it was significant simply because that boy was willing to give everything that he had. And expansion requires that. The third uh, roadblock, I believe, is disobedience. When people begin to question God and say, God, you know what, I think I have a better plan. How many times in our life have we said that to God? Lord, I have a better plan. You know what? You are outdated in your plan. You know, we live in this Facebook uh, media, uh, social media world. And one of the things that, I mean, even though I'm quite active on that, our church is active on that, but I want to tell you that there is no substitute to seeing people face to face. There is no substitute to that. Uh, young people sooner or later will realize that. Sometimes we communicate. I have seen people communicating, and I'm sure it's true here in America just as it is in the new generation in India. They sit in the same room and communicate by text messages. You know, that's the most funny thing. You're in the same room. Uh, you don't want to talk. You don't want to talk. And the, the, the greatest thing about our God is that God is a communicator. He loves to talk. He loves to have that one-on-one -on -one with you. Okay, it goes beyond just reading a few pages of the Bible. It goes beyond just praying in the morning or in the night before you go to bed. It goes beyond that. It talks about an intimate relationship that he's looking at. If you're looking for expansion, the church needs to be in love with God, in love with his presence. That, that time would not be, uh, we would not be bound by time on our appointments, but we would say, God, you have your way. If that requires me to be in the, in the sanctuary while others have to leave, be it so because I want to have my one-on-one -on -one with you. Expansion will only happen then. I want to end with the story of Jabez. And uh, it's a great story from First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. When we need faith to ask for expansion. And this is what Jabez said. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Enlarge, that's the key word here this morning. And that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain the Bible just says, God, so God granted him what he requested. It requires a man or a woman to trust God beyond your natural circumstances. 
In the Old Testament, people were known by their name. Their name kind of described who they really were. And Jabez was this man called pain, the giver of pain, the giver of sorrow. And he decided that regardless of what people call me or they tag me, if I come to God in faith, asking to enlarge, that God would do it for me. And the Bible says he just trusted God enough and says, God, would you do that? There was nothing else that he wanted. He just wanted that God would bless him. Now, we understand God is a blesser. And again, let us not term blessing as material prosperity. That's what we are taught today. But I want you to go visit countries that uh, people have to sit on floors. Uh, when it's cold weather, they don't have heating. When it's hot weather, they don't have air conditioning. When people don't have sufficient to last a month, they trust God. Like Elijah was fed, I have seen and heard miracles of how God does it. You know, when we come to a place where we rely upon our resources, we fail to see the miracles of God. Because we don't need a miracle. We have enough. If I open my refrigerator, I have food inside. But faith is required when you know there is nothing inside and saying, God, would you bless so that this would be filled? Well, that one piece of bread would be enough for us to survive as a family. That is where faith is required. And Jabez understood that aspect, that you would bless me, not material blessings, but blessings so that the presence and the favor of God would be upon his life. He said, you would be close to me, Lord. You know, my th challenge to you this morning is if you want to see expansion, you need to live in the presence and the favor of God. Jabez is mentioned three times in the Bible. The first time it's mentioned as a city, 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 55. And he says, Jabez was a town near Bethlehem. And then uh, Jabez, when it's mentioned in chapter 4, suddenly it talks about this man called Jabez. And the Bible says he was more honorable than his brothers. There was something about Jabez that God on the Bible records him to be a man of integrity, a man who was, was, a, was uh, above reproach. And you know, today the world is looking for people who are honest, who are true, who don't live in falsehood. And I believe when we come to God, we have to keep all that aside. People may think we are spiritual. People may think that we have uh, a lot going on for us in our life, but God knows who we are exactly. And this morning, if we really want to see expansion, we need to ask God, Lord, what do you think that I have? God asks Jabez asks for God to bless him, enlarge his territories, and says, God, stay close to me for what I want to do in my life. And the Bible says God heard it. I want you to leave the last scripture is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8. It says this, the sacrifices of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Jabez was a man who was upright honorable. He says, you can bring in sacrifices, but to the Lord, God doesn't care for those sacrifices, but he sees our heart. That's why the widow's might was more significant to the master than the big offering that the rich man brought, because what God is looking for is, are we willing to give it all to God? Trust God, just like that little boy. Would you stand with me before I invite pastor to come and end this time of prayer and this message. 
I believe, Pastor, that this is going to be a season that you're going to see things that you've been praying for. And when I met you this morning, uh, the Lord just put it on my heart that there have been times where you have really been seeking God together for, Lord, what is the next step? What is how we're going to do it? And God says, if you take this step of faith, and I'm sure you're going to pray about it and talk to your leadership, there is going to be, this church is going to have influence around the nations. And that's what the scripture says in Isaiah, around the nations, not only you, but the generations to come. This will be known as a place where people believe in reaching out in obedience. And the enlargement is not to make you great, because I believe uh, in no name and no face when God begins to move. You and I have to be behind Calvary, so that when people see us, they only see the cross, they see the Lord. Anytime man takes God's glory, God moves out of that place. So even if we do everything right for enlargement, but if we take even part of what God belongs to God, God has nothing to do with it. A revival is not the number of people that come into the church. A revival is the number of people that are moved by the Holy Spirit to do things for God. So when you pray for revival, don't just pray, oh, that church will be full. And if it does, praise God. You have two services, wonderful. You know, fill this place five times over on a Sunday. That's wonderful. But that's not the key to revival. It's not on numbers. God looks at the heart. The way we measure success is very different than how God measures success. And I'm going to leave you with this phrase. The verse was Proverbs 5, 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. If you're going to pray for expansion, I believe God is going to do that. And I leave you with this one phrase I had read, not mine. Attempt something large enough that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. If you want to see enlargement, you need to attempt something beyond your human capabilities. Something that you can handle, you don't need God in it. But something that you know will fail until God shows up. And if you do it that way, you are going to be desperate for the presence of God. Would you just lift up your hands as pastor comes up? I'm just going to end with prayer and then allow as pastor wants to lead. But this word, I believe, for you as a church, for some individuals that are here are seeking God for greater things. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take your word, your anointed word that you have given to us, that we will believe you, Lord, for greater things. That we will not be bound because of people, resources, circumstances. But we are going to look beyond that, oh God. We're going to look for the greater things. And I pray in all this that we will believe no name, no face. Yes. And at the end, people will say, to God be the glory, great things he has done. Yes. Thank you, Lord. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.